to the Combat Morale Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Tom Thorpe. The Combat Morale Podcast explores what motivates people to fight or not fight in armed conflict. A quick disclaimer before we get to the action. The views expressed by any of the guests on the podcast are purely of a personal nature, do not represent the views or opinions of any organisation or government. With that disclaimer out of the way, it is season two, episode 13. On today's programme, I talk to psychologist, historian, soldier and author, Professor Reuven Gal. Reuven spoke to me about his pioneering book, The Portrait of the Israeli Soldier, that was published in the mid-1980s. This book explored the motivation of Israeli soldiers to fight and serve in the IDF. Reuven spoke to me from his home in Israel. Reuven, welcome to the podcast. Could you start by telling us about yourself and how you became interested in, in the broad area of combat and combatant motivation and morale? Well, um, to tell about myself, I, I was born in Israel in 1942, the middle of Second World War. Uh, had a regular youth as, as an Israeli, a local school, a youth movement. Uh, had my military service, you know, in Israel we have a mandatory military service, so I did my service for three years as a, as an infantry uh, officer, a combat officer in the infantry, um, in, including a reserve service, which I did in a kind of an elite uh, unit uh, in which I fought actually in the Six-Day War. I participated in the battles in Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, it was quite fierce. I lost four men in my own company. Um, and after that, I I, uh, I went to school, university. I had my undergraduate and uh, master's degree at the Hebrew U, Hebrew University. And my PhD is from uh, UC Berkeley in California. During my studies, I did my doctoral dissertation in the area of uh, stress and coping, and I did it under the uh, under uh, uh, Professor Richard Lazarus, who at the time was a, a prominent name in the area of stress, coping, uh, and things like that. Um, then in 1975, I returned back to Israel from California, and through some circumstances that's too long to detail here, I took on the position of the chief psychologist of the of the IDF, of the Israel Defense Forces, a position that I assumed for uh, seven years and it just happened to be between the Yom Kippur War, 1973, and uh, what we call the first Lebanon War in 1982. You know, in Israel, we count the years by the names of the wars uh, that happened between between. And it so happened, to answer your question, that both through my actual combat experience on real battlefield, being a, a combat officer and leading men on battle and losing, as I said, four of them, uh, as well as through uh, focusing on uh, studies and research and my own dissertation on stress and coping and so on, uh, I found that the most intriguing and interesting question for me throughout my entire academic life, actually, was exactly the question we are dealing with. What is it that uh, drives men uh, under fire against enemy fire 
on the battlefield? What is it that uh, makes a combatant to uh, stand up and charge under heavy fire instead of uh, hide or run away or, or freeze? And so I guess I devoted uh, much of my work to this area. And some of that we're going to talk about today. So let's start with looking at your book, your 1986 book, The Portrait of the Israeli Soldier. Could you tell us what factors were important in motivating his military personnel to fight, serve and endure during military service? Let me first mention, if we're going into books, uh, some uh, fruits of my studies and my, my knowledge and my experience in, in, in military psychology in general and in combat uh, stress uh, in particular uh, are included in the Handbook of Military Psychology that came out by uh, Wiley, Wiley & Sons, 1992. Uh, I edited it together with my uh, colleague, uh, Mangelsdorf, David Mangelsdorf. And that's a, that's a 1,000 pages uh, volume that uh, has everything. But back to the Israeli soldier, which uh, I wrote uh, after the, the Lebanon war that I mentioned. Let me, let me first make a clear dis- distinction between the motivation to serve and the motivation to fight. To me, these are two very, very distinct uh, uh, or different uh, issues. Motivation to serve, or what we sometimes call the pro- propensity towards military service, um, may have uh, various uh, reasons, uh, serving or protecting my my country or, or patriotism, as we call it. Uh, it may have to do with searching for uh, interesting experiences uh, throughout through military service. It uh, may have to do with uh, uh, the need for self-fulfillment or self-accomplishment uh, or, uh, or personal growth, uh, which is typical to this uh, age we are talking about, around uh, 18. It may have to do with preparing for civilian life or for the jobs that I may look after the military service, uh, or for social factors, meeting friends and so on. These are all factors or reasons uh, for motivation to serve whether it's a voluntary service, like in your country or in the U.S. military, or whether it's a, even when it's a draft, there is still the question, why am I joining this uh, mandatory service? Uh, because there are always way, ways to get out of it. So this is ser- the motivation to serve. It's a whole different story when we talk about motivation to fight. And here, if you ask me what are the main factors, uh, I count three, and I guess the first two are the ones that you are well familiar with and probably guess, which is cohesion and leadership. But the third one, to me, is uh, something you don't always find in in this regard. I call it um, self-preservation, or actually, I have to qualify that it's 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 the it's the 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 behavior that you take on the battlefield, in combat, to to stay alive, to be the first to kill the enemy before the enemy kills you. And you do it by utilizing or using uh, all the training that you've gone through, all the uh, 
skills and 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 uh, training that that you're familiar but but basically it's self-preservation it's to to uh, re- reverse the will to life in uh, in the in the will to fight you you preserve your life by by attacking the enemy who is going to take your life now this is something that not too many scholars are using as a as a factor I guess I came to To it through my own experience on the battlefield uh, because to to be frank um, you don't have time to think about patriotism and ideology when when you are under fire under bombardment or fire or whatever but you are preoccupied with how to stay alive and how to come out of it alive and and un, unharmed so these are the three leadership cohesion and self-preservation you And if you had to choose one I suppose key factor what would be that factor what what is most dominant or what was most dominant in the Israeli defense forces at that time they all all three are important but if I need to choose one I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll vote for for leadership I think leadership is the key the key factor and when I say leadership I'm talking about personal example I'm talking about the uh, full trust in commanders you you see you don't you don't run into enemy's line of fire uh, while thinking about patriotism or things like that not even always about your friends and comrades the cohesion factor but you 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 do that I mean people sometimes risk their life for patriotism I'm not saying that this is not a factor sometimes but 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 mostly on the battlefield it's when when and and it's whether you are you are an infantry man or 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 within a tank uh, in, 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 in the armor uh, or the APC the armored uh, personnel uh, carrier or or on a patrol boat or on or on the the fighter aircraft or the or the uh, attack helicopter I'm talking about all the branches of, uh, of fighting you 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 think of you think about who who is the person who is the the one person that actually sent you into this mission the one that you really trust that uh, knew what he was doing when he sent you into this mission and in many cases you do it but because of personal example because you see the commander who In front of you or the the follow me you know in the Israeli military the follow me dictum is is primary and it's always there and so it's it's your platoon leader or tank commander or your boat captain or your squadron commander that uh, that makes you stick to the mission fight uh, against all the uh, odds and uh, sometimes you you may not see the commander in reality you because he's not there at the moment or but but either you can hear him on the radio or you can hear him in in your mind in your in your in your head and and he's he's there and uh, and obviously it's the trust in that commander the more trust you have in the commander in your leader the more powerful is this conviction that you you follow him and do what he wants What, uh, whatever he ordered um, I think uh, a good example of a case where trust in commanders 
where at its lowest level was the Vietnam War with the U.S. military, where there were lots of uh, fragging uh, cases of commanders, of leaders, by their own soldiers. It all has to do with uh, trust in your commanders or lack of it when when they're not the, the, the right leader. And what factor do you think is probably the least motivating for uh, Israeli defense personnel during the 80s? Or was rather, I should say. Well, you, you mentioned as an example, a military law or a, or a coercion. And, and certainly these two are not not playing uh, any any role. You, you, you cannot coerce men uh, to put their lives uh, on the line of fire. You cannot do that. And, and no military law is uh, strong enough to, uh, to, uh, to send you into, into uh, the battle or to risk your life. So I don't, I don't think, uh, it's hard for me to think about the, the least uh, important uh, factors, but certainly those two are not, uh, are not playing any role when you are in combat or on the real battlefield. And do you think the nature of motivation in the IDF, uh, in IDF service bill, has changed since you wrote your book in the 80s? And if the answer is yes, then what is the nature of that motivational change and what factors would have driven it? Well, whether or not it has changed, I guess the answer is, is yes and no. Yes and no. Yes, because a lot has changed since 1985. Um, that's when I wrote uh, the book. Uh, Israel as a state has changed a lot, its youth, its uh, politics, uh, and mostly the the type of warfare has changed a lot in these three or four decades. Um, now we're talking about uh, asymmetrical uh, warfare, we're talking about uh, war against uh, terror, war against terrorists. Um, many, many times the encounters are... Uh, with non-combatants at all, with civilians, sometimes children and, and elder people and so on, uh, innocent civilians. The most uh, dominant missions nowadays, which IDF soldiers uh, are performing, are uh, police-type missions at, at uh, checkpoints, uh, work going against uh, demonstrations or riots or, or, or uh, crowded uh, civilians. This is what uh, in sociological uh, jargon, and I think again it, it's Maurice Janovitz who made this uh, uh, term, constabulary missions. These are not typical combat missions. These are more constabulary missions in the sense that you you don't open fire right away. You you need to do other things, and and yet many times your life is under uh, risk and under danger, nonetheless. But furthermore, the, the present warfare, warfare is, is not one of, uh, you know, armored divisions and brigades and companies and uh, platoons uh, in the Sinai uh, uh, attacking uh, the, the enemy, uh, where indeed unit cohesion and, and leadership uh, really plays, plays a role. Uh, it's, it's something very different. Sometimes you find... A soldier doing his post by himself or with just another pal next to him. And there is no a whole unit and a whole cohesion and a whole leadership. 
And uh, on top of that, um, we we have all this cyber uh, warfare and and uh, autonomous weapon systems and and so on. So much of the warfare now is not on real battlefield, but behind the screens and and buttons. Also, it's not secret that uh, Israel has changed in in many aspects politically and ideologically, and sometimes there are. Uh, many um, frictions and, and conflicts and issues about the the role of the military in in the West Bank say or in the occupied uh, territories so under all these factors the the will to fight or the the motivation to fight is quite different however and this is where the uh, the second part of the answer is if God forbid if something like say the Yom Kippur war happens again and Israel find itself finds itself under all-out war by and the real enemy not Palestinian terrorists or by Iran or any other uh, if something like that happened um I believe that the same kind of combat motivation that we talked earlier about uh, which we have seen uh, before, and the same factors, namely the leadership, the cohesion, and the self-preservation, all these factors will uh, will prevail, will will show up again, because when it's a conventional war, where soldiers are really soldiers and have to attack uh, on 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 real battlefield against real enemy, uh, these same factors will uh, will serve. And my final question. Is where can people learn more about your work? Well, I guess first of all by by googling a combination of my name with unit cohesion or leadership or combat stress or something like that, you'll find articles and lectures and so on. There is a, a quite a recent article that was published with my name and two colleagues of mine in the Armed Forces and Society, indeed, the title of which is Military Propensity Among IDF's Potential Conscripts. And it's uh, Armed Forces Society, July 2022. Uh, I think it's presently still uh, online, but it will be uh, published a hard copy uh, in the next couple of weeks. I can send you the the, uh, the link if you if you... That would be great, Ruben. Thank you very much for your time. That was super. All right.